You know what's really cool is that that song is an original Grace Chapel song. We wrote that right here at Grace Chapel. And um, I love it. I love it. I love the creativity. Um, Guys, you did a phenomenal job this morning. That was such a a wonderful, wonderful. These guys have been together for so long and they've brought us so much joy in leading us in worship. Before we uh, jump into the the sermon, uh, the new series we're starting, um, we'll be going to Nigeria in 10 days. And a couple of things the missionaries were asking for, one in particular was some computers. We're starting the the, um, bridal shop over there at a business street, the bridal shop. We have other business trees that we're starting up. And the whole idea there is to build these businesses, these business trees, as we call them, that will fund initiatives that can't fund themselves, like education and healthcare. Really hard to get computers over there to help run these businesses. So if anyone would like to donate um, either a new uh, laptop or something we can carry or a used really good one, okay, um, something really good that has what we need to kind of run these businesses, we'd really appreciate it. So if that's something that Lord lays on your heart, let me know. Call me this week. Talk to me afterward. And uh, let me know that you'll be able to do that. We'll, and I'll, we'll just kind of carry it over to Nigeria with us. Um, we are beginning a new series this morning called Be You. Be You, Bringing Christ into, into Your Sphere of Influence. And it's a, it's a series that I've been waiting to get, in, get into for a long time. So I'm a little antsy this morning and very uh, hyper, and I, I like it that way. Um, I really feel like the, the Holy Spirit moved in the first service, and as he spoke to each of our hearts, um, I, I believe that this series will truly change the way that you think about your faith and how you live it out. Uh, it really will. I, it'll, it, I think it will open up your eyes. It will answer questions that you may have been struggling with your entire Christian life and challenge you to rethink what you thought you knew about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing I'm going to say during this series is going to be like, oh, oh my goodness, uh, that sounds like uh, heresy or something. That's not, that's not it. But culturally, it's going to clash. And I don't mean culture outside of the church. I mean culture within the church. We're going to be talking about things that kind of open up your mind and say, you know, maybe that's why I've struggled for so long in my Christian walk. Maybe that's why I feel so guilty in my Christian walk. That makes a lot of sense to me. This sounds more biblical to me, and it's kind of set me free. And that's what we want this series to do. We want you to open up your mind and kind of rethink some thoughts that you may have had about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Frank G. Burgess wrote, If in the last few years you haven't discarded a major opinion or acquired a new one, check your pulse. You may be dead. And I I totally agree with that. The passage we're going to look at this morning is one of my favorites. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you ever consider how amazing it is to be human? Just, just, just to be human. Have you ever considered how incredible, how truly incredible it is to experience the wonders that are around us all the time? I mean, things that we get to hold on to, that we get to see, that we, we truly get to experience. You ever thought what a blessing it is? What a true blessing it is to, to be just to be alive? 
to be alive and, and to enjoy the miracles and the mysteries and the challenges that are around us in our lives every single day. That we get to, we get to experience those things that we encounter throughout our lives. That just the, the joys and, the, and again, the mysteries and the miracles that God does throughout, throughout our lives. To be human. To be who we are. Because humans are the only ones who really think this way. And whether whether or not you whether or not you experience in the way I just described really depends on really depends on whether or not you know the answer to uh, to life's most important most important and basic questions because. What happens is, as, as believers in Christ, you know, I talk about the, the mysteries and I talk about the challenge. I talk about the miracles. And for some people, for some people in the body of Christ, that makes them nervous. It stresses them out. It creates fear and it creates confusion. You know, that, you, like your, you like your life kind of settled in. And so reality is, whether, whether it's one or the other largely depends on whether you understand or you, you grasp the answer to two of life's most most important basic Christian questions, basic questions in general. Who am I and why am I here? This is important as we go through this series. You need to understand who you are because each sermon, ser, sermon will build on the other. So who am I and why am I here? Only humans honestly ask these questions. Only human beings. No other creatures on earth ask those questions. And it's only humans that would take their own lives if they don't get a true and sincere and significant and satisfying answer. We ask those questions and we need to have an answer. And when we don't get an answer, some people are so overwhelmed by life itself that, they, that only human beings would take their lives because they don't have an answer to those questions. No other, no other creatures around us think about these things, let alone be willing to end their own lives because they don't have real answers to them. These are important questions that every single person needs to answer. First Peter here, the passage that we're talking about, clearly answers both questions. Who am I and why am I here? Clearly lays it out. So let's study God's word and capture the truth behind these questions. Who am I? Who am I? It's important that we keep in mind that Peter here is talking to believers. He's talking in the context of our relationship with God. So he's not just talking to the world in general. He's talking to believers in Jesus Christ as we answer this question. These are important. It's important to keep in mind that that Peter is focused on us. Okay, so we're talking about us here this morning. This body, not just this body of believers, but all believers all believers, but that's who, Paul, that's who Peter is describing here. So the first one, the first to answer our question, in verse 9 it says this. Number one, Peter's going to give us, he presents five ways, five ways to answer the question of who we are. Okay, Five ways to identify our identity, who we are. What's my identity? Five ways he does that. Number one, verse 9, he says, you are a chosen people, a chosen people. Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, starts it out with, it's not about you. It is not about you. We, are a, we have a corporate identity. We need to understand that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, who Peter is talking to, we have a corporate identity. Now, take note, this flies in the face of our culture. 
not just our culture around us, our Christian culture. This concept of a corporate identity will fly in the face of our culture. We as Americans have lost the biblical concept of a corporate identity. We really don't truly understand it. Everything rises and falls with the individual. Even within the church, we we still struggle with this. Everything rises and falls with the individual. I asked my friend Emmanuel Tapson, who's uh, from Nigeria. He lives now here in the United States. He got his uh, doctorate in, uh, in Old Testament for Hebrew Union here in Cincinnati. And when we started becoming friends, we sat down in a restaurant and I looked across at him. I love asking questions of Christians from other places. I said, what in our what in our American culture, our biblical culture here is is more cultural than it is biblical in America? What's more culture in the church? What's more cultural than it is biblical? And he just immediately said individualism. Caught me off guard. I never really thought about it that way. I've asked other leaders, other Christian leaders from around the world, okay, from different parts of the world, the same question. You know what the first answer is that I get almost every single time? Individualism. It is something that we embrace here, okay, but it is not not biblical, the concept that we have. Now, don't get me wrong. I love America. I'm reading a 900-page book on George Washington. Love to, love to read about the Founding Fathers. Uh, I'm, I'm a patriot. I, you know, love our country. All I'm just doing is pointing out to you that there are certain things that we've adopted in our Christian culture that are cultural more than they are biblical. The Bible describes a, a corporate identity with individual implications, That's what the Bible describes, a corporate identity with individual implications. The chosen people described here are a new people. We are a new people that was chosen out of all peoples. Okay, so all people groups, if you will, if you will, a, a global community of Christ followers. That's what we are. We are this global community of Christ followers. We serve together with a common purpose. Okay, so it's not, yes, we're individuals. Yes, God has given us specific gifts, talents, and abilities to bring to the body of Christ this corporate identity so that we can further the kingdom of God. So we have this corporate identity. And so God's given us a purpose as a corporate identity. What is what is our common purpose? First, the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's one. Number two, the great commandment. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. It says this. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Do your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So we have a a common purpose. This is our common purpose that we hold together. We are a part. We we, we are set apart by God. We we, we, We are a part of his body. We are set apart by him to fulfill the purpose that he has for our lives. We we don't belong to this world. The Bible says that we're strangers and aliens in this world. This is not, you know, as much as we are a part of the world and we live here, we are, the Bible calls us strangers and aliens. Look at verse 11. Look what it says in verse 11. It says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Now, if we don't belong to this world, 
this is important. If we don't belong to this world, all right, now we're in it. We're a part of the world. We interact in this world, which is a good thing. It's a really good thing. But if we don't belong to this world, then we don't find our identity in our white race or our black race or our, our red race or yellow, whatever you want to, however you want to use any human culture. We don't find our identity, our true identity in any one culture. We are global. We are a global community. We are individuals made up of all races brought together by God, chosen by God. We are we are brought together as a chosen people. We are made up of all different races, all different people groups brought together, chosen by God, a chosen people. So your first identity, you say, who am I first? First, you are chosen. God chose you. You say, who am I? You are chosen. I want you to say, I want you to say this. I am chosen. chosen. See, that's not going to work this morning. You got You got to match my, you got to match my hyper intensity. Okay. All right. All right. So let's say that again. I am chosen. Exactly. You need to understand that. You need to own that. You need to theologically, biblically, whatever reality, you need to own that. First and foremost, you are chosen. That's cool. That's amazing. Okay. God chose you. God chose you. Be a part of this corporate community. Okay. This, this, you have a corporate identity. We're one in Christ. So God chose us. All we can do is accept it and be faithful to fulfill our purpose within God's grand epic, his epic plan. Just accept it. I'm chosen. God has a plan. How do I fit into that plan? I know I'm part of a a corporate community. How do I fit into that plan as a part of the corporate community? And how do I use my gifts and abilities to be faithful to fulfill my purpose within God's grand epic? So I am chosen. I am chosen. Number two, okay, verse nine says, you are a holy nation. You are a holy nation. When you have a relationship with God, you are not like everyone else. I'm not saying we're better than everyone else. And this is church is better than every all these. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is from a biblical standpoint, when it, it, as a holy nation, you are not like everyone else. You are, you are a holy nation. You are set apart. God has set you apart for himself. You exist for God. You in this room have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You exist for God. God says, be holy. He says to his people, okay, be holy because I am holy. The Bible says that we need to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is holy. How did Jesus live? That's the way God wants us to live. He wants us to mimic Jesus Christ. We share in his character because he chose us. We are a holy nation. We share in his character. We are holy. Say, I am a holy nation. Not gonna, that's not going to be good enough. Every single time, it's not going to be good enough, okay? Let's say it again. I am a holy nation. I'm a holy nation. Amen. You were a little off, though. Someone started, right? All right? So we'll try it one more time. I am a holy nation. There you go. So, okay, I am chosen. I am a holy nation. Again, we need to not own this in, just in our minds. We need to own this in our hearts. I am a holy nation. And when we don't act, my friends, in a holy way, when we don't show grace, when we don't walk in the love of Jesus Christ, when we don't do that, we are acting out of character. When you and I don't walk in the way Jesus walked, when we don't when we don't express grace and love and compassion, all those things to other people, we are walking out of character. You contradict the very essence, the very essence 
of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. When we don't do those things, when we don't live out what God has called us to live out, we are basically walking away from the very essence of who we were created to be, a follower of Jesus Christ. So we, 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 we are a holy nation. We are a holy nation. God says, be holy. Be holy like I am holy. Follow the ways of Jesus Christ. Be conformed to the image of Christ, which what? Leads you, the cross leads you to a life of holiness. But see, the thing is, a great thing is here, God is saying, now you are holy. You are a holy nation right now. Why? Because I chose you. Once I chose you, once I have chosen you, you are a holy nation. Don't think that somehow down the road, somewhere down the road, you're, you individually, you, you may think, oh, the rest of these folks here, they might be a holy nation, but you don't know me. I'm not there yet. I'm not a holy nation. That is ridiculous. I don't know where that came from, but the reality is if God shows you and you have a relationship with Christ, then you are a holy nation. Now, we can become, as we strive to be like Christ, we become more like him, but in standing with God, once he chooses you, you are a holy nation. You need to understand that in order for us to walk through the series and for you to be dangerous person i like dangerous people spiritually dangerous people for you to be a dangerous person you need to understand that i am a holy nation i'm a holy nation third verse nine continues you are a royal priesthood now you, people are saying wait whoa, whoa, whoa some of you have like different backgrounds different spiritual religious backgrounds say oh a, a royal priesthood never heard that before See, I don't I don't consider myself a, a royal priesthood. Well, you may not consider yourself a royal priesthood, but God does. And the only only opinion that matters in this room is God's. Okay, so now you have to change your opinion of who you are. Who am I? Yes. The question, who am I? You are a royal priesthood. God has chosen you. You're a royal priesthood. We are God's royal priest. We have direct, direct access to God. We don't need anyone else to mediate between us and God. We have Jesus Christ. We can enter into the Holy of Holies. We can enter into the presence of God. Why? Because he has chosen us through Christ. And we have, in our standing with God, we can enter into God's presence. We don't need anyone else to mediate for us because we have the blood of Christ who covers us. And when God sees us, he sees his son. So I can enter into the presence of God. And if that's the case, we need to ask the question, what does God expect of his royal priests? Right. Wouldn't that be a good question to ask? What does he expect of his royal priests? That's who we are. He chose us. We're a, a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. So what does God expect of those that he has chosen and given the title holy nation? What does he expect of those people? Well, I'll tell you what he I'll tell you what he doesn't expect. He doesn't expect you to sit around and waste your life. That's what he doesn't expect. So far, what do we learn? We have been chosen. He chose you, okay? He didn't just choose the pastor and the elders and all these other spiritualist people, whatever else. He chose you, okay? So we know that. We know that you are a holy nation because of your standing with Christ. You are holy. You may not say, you may not walk and think, oh, I'm not that holy. Stop saying that. I just told you that God said you were and you're standing. You're a holy, holy nation, and again, we're together as a corporate, corporate identity. Individually, God called you out. You're a holy nation. Corporately, we're a holy nation. And we're a royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. So understand and own that. Own that in your heart. So if that's the case, what does God expect of us? Well, again, it is not for us to sit around and waste our lives. Kind of go through the motion. Slide on through. We are called to serve. Listen. In the presence of God, 
I don't know how to, to, to help you understand that and, and own that, that idea, but you are called to serve as a, as a royal priest in the presence of God. Your life should be dictated to priestly service. God dwells with you. you we, we, we dwell in God's presence. We dwell in God's presence. We are a royal priesthood. We were, listen, we were not to created and chosen to dwell in mediocrity. We were not chosen to dwell in mediocrity. God did not choose us to live that way. We were not chosen to, 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 to stay in neutral, to kind of be in limbo. That's not what God created us for. We were not chosen to, to be those who retreat or shrink back. That's not what God has chosen us for. There's no such thing as people should, shouldn't be living a mediocre Christian life. Some people say sometimes, well, I don't know, man, my, life, my Christian life's not too exciting. You know why? Because you don't know who you are. That's your problem. You don't know who you are. And so you live, you live, Satan's got you in this little thing. Oh man, don't listen to him. What? He doesn't even know you. If he knew what you did last night or last week, he wouldn't be calling you chosen, a holy nation, holy, a royal priesthood. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. I absolutely positively would. You know why? Because you're covered with the blood of Christ. And when God sees you, he sees his son. And, and you, you can be no more holy than right now than you'll be 50 years from now. God sees you. When he sees you, he sees his son. So don't let, don't let the evil one speak into your heart this morning anything other than what I'm saying to you from God's word. Okay, this is who you are. This is your identity. We are not those who were chosen to shrink back. But listen, we were chosen to, to, to live in the power of the Almighty. To live through the power of His resurrection. That's how we live our lives. Did you know that you have the power of the resurrection living in you? That the Holy Spirit, God, lives in you. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. It doesn't matter what anyone else says to you. It doesn't matter what anyone else tells you about yourself. I'm telling you the truth this morning, and this is the only thing that matters right here is what God says. It's what God says. We were not created to be mediocre. You were not created to run away. You were not created to be neutral, stand neutral. You were not created that way. You were created to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You were chosen. You are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. Your identity, my friends, leads to your destiny. You need to know who you are. You want to know what the end of your life is going to look like? I can tell you. If you don't understand this, I can tell you what the end of your life is going to look like. You're going to be laying there in your bed going, woulda, shoulda, coulda. Why didn't I? Why didn't I? I am not going to be asking those questions. Why didn't I? I'll die trying, but I won't be laying in my bed as an old man wondering, oh, if I'd only, if I could adjust. But that's your destiny. Your identity leads to your destiny. What are you? You have to answer the question, who am I? God has chosen us for a purpose, to be ministers, to minister as priests. To minister as priests, say, we are a royal priesthood. Amen. To be honest with you, though, I, I'm just not, I'm not buying it completely. I'm up here sweating, and you're out there saying, we are a royal priesthood. Say it with me again. We are a royal priesthood. See, now you're talking. That's what God wants to hear. 
I mean, picture Jesus because he's here with us sitting in the front row. And when I ask you a question, he turns around. I'm a royal priesthood. It's going to be ticked. I'm not going to be happy. You don't want an unhappy Jesus, okay? So, so you got, again, you've got to own this. You have to own this, not in your mind. Do not leave here this morning and forget this tomorrow, next week, whatever else. Own this. This is who you are. This is who God says you are. Number four, we are God's possession. He says it twice. No, verse nine, you are a people belonging to God. Verse 10, you once were not a people, but now you are a people of, now you are the people of God. God takes us as his own possession. Listen, God takes us as his own possession. He owns us. Say, I belong to God. See, and now, now that, was, that was awesome. But I want you to have a little bit of attitude about it now, too. Say it like when someone, when, when evil one or someone else tries to tell you who you are, I want you to say it like, you, like it's okay to have a spiritual attitude, okay? I, I belong to God. Say that with attitude. See, that's now we're talking. See, I belong to God. You can't tell me who I am. I know who I am. I belong to God. And so let's see, if I belong to God and I'm all these things that God describes, and then and who can stop me from fulfilling my purpose? Well, God's not going to stop me because he wants me to fulfill my purpose. Satan can't even come close to stopping me because whatever, okay? People can't stop you. People can't stop you because you were called by God to do this. So who's the only, who, what is the only thing in the world that can stop you? You. Exactly. Yourself. Exactly. Okay. Now he says I, we are we are his possession. See, this must mean something really significant because we already know that God. The Bible says that God owns everyone and everything. So this this must mean something really specific here. When God says in 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 Second Corinthians six sixteen that I will be their God and they will be my people, my my possession. What he means is what he means is that I will dwell with them and I and I will walk among them. I will dwell with them. Not some God out there somewhere started the earth and yada, 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 and then goes off and sits up on the throne and just kind of lets everything work itself out and doesn't participate. No, he says, I'm they're my people. I am. They're my possession. I will dwell with them. I will be their God. I will walk among them. I will walk with them. If I have to, I'll carry them, whatever it takes. But I will fulfill what I've called them to do as long as they're open to the Holy Spirit, as long as they're completely open to the Holy Spirit. You know, some of us sometimes we get all we, we we kind of live our lives like this. We kind of ball our fists and we say, oh, God, fill me. God, let me receive. How can you receive anything if your hands are like this? So your hands are like this because you don't know who you are. Your hands need to be like this. God can put things in and God can take things out and God can put things in and God can take things out. That's what God wants to do. He wants to continually give to us. But we need to understand who we are. I belong to God. I belong to God. You know, and I think most of you will understand what I'm talking about here. But what happened in your past? Whatever happened to you in your past, what happened to you years ago does not possess you. Okay, it doesn't. It doesn't possess you. It's that event, whatever it is, that 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 abuse, whatever it was, those things that 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 trauma or that lie does not own you. Those things don't own you. That addiction doesn't own you. That mistake that you made doesn't own you. My friends, our past does not own nor define us. 
We are God's possession. It doesn't define us. We are, again, I'm going to say it again. We are a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. These things do not own us. They don't, they don't own my, they, they cannot tell me, my past cannot tell me what my identity is, nor what my destiny is going to be. Only God can do that. He's already decided who I am. And he's already decided what I'm going to do. So nothing on this earth or in hell can stop me from becoming who God's created me to be. God owns me. Only he dictates my identity and only he dictates my destiny. Period. Nothing else. No one can shake me from the foundation of where I stand. I stand on a rock that has told me who I am and who I can become. And nothing, nothing can stop you or me from becoming who God has created us to be. Why? Why? Because number five, it says this. We are those who have been who have received mercy in verse 10. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He found us in our sin. He found us in our guilt. He found us in our weakness. He found us in our condemnation and he showed us mercy. He didn't just he didn't just choose us. Okay, he didn't just uh, we're not just the objects of his choice. We are the objects of his mercy, of God's mercy. I have been chosen to receive his grace. I have been chosen to receive his mercy. I know that I am loved regardless of what I do today, tomorrow, five years from now, what I did five years ago, what I did 25 years ago or 35 years ago. I am loved. I am loved by God. I know who I am. He chose me to draw near to me. He didn't just choose me and leave it at that. He chose me to draw near to me. He covers me with his mercy. I am saved. I am saved from whatever is I, God in his mercy and his love and his compassion chose me through his mercy he has chosen me. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, some of you people walk around with all this guilt and all this condemnation. Uh, this is what the Bible says, not what I say. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am free. I'm free. You're free. We are free to fulfill the purpose for which God created us. We're free. We have freedom in Jesus Christ. Total freedom in Jesus Christ. See, only Satan tries to condemn us. We were, we were, we were before we came to Christ. We had that burden on us, but not anymore. God never condemns you. What he does through his Holy Spirit is convict you. And when you feel convicted in your life, you repent. And God says, when you repent, I forgive you. End of story. Whenever you feel condemned, whenever you feel that condemnation, that is from the pit of hell. It didn't come from God. It never comes from God. It comes from the evil one. He wants us to feel condemned because he wants to accuse us and tell us that we are not who we know we are. That's why you need to understand when someone, when you say, who am I? You need to answer the question in your mind and not let anyone else tell you otherwise, because it is God who tells us who we are. Listen, I do not get my identity from my actions. My identity comes from God's actions toward me. There's a big difference. I do not receive, I don't, I don't own my identity because of my actions, but because of God's actions toward me. My self-image is not dictated by what others think of me. 
My self-image is dictated from understanding what God thinks of me. You know, and it doesn't even it doesn't even come from who I was. I have all oh, my hair. It doesn't come from who I was. It doesn't even come from who I am. It comes from whose I am. I belong to him. He has shown me mercy before I knew Christ. My friends, listen, before I knew Christ, my my my, my life was filled with fear. My life was filled with fear, but now I have overcome my fears. Before I knew Jesus Christ, I used to, I I could just wish, but now I dream. Now I can see visions, and I can see those dreams and visions fulfilled. Before I knew Christ, I walked in darkness, but now I walk in the light. I don't know about you, but I I live without Christ for 18 years of my life. And I'll tell you, there's a big difference between walking in darkness and then walking in the light. I know who I am. And people will say to me, oh, who do you think you are? You know what? I know who I am. I, I know who I am. I don't think anything. Who do you think you are that you could have dreams and, and you could have visions and you could have ideas and you can imagine, awaken your imagination, not your passion, unleash your purpose. Oh, so we'll, we'll, we, will be, we will be attacked for that. And you'll say, who do you think you are? And the answer is, the answer is, I am chosen. I am a holy nation. I am a royal priesthood. I'm a person belonging to God and I have been saved through the mercy of Jesus Christ. I know who I am. Who are you? I know who I am. And through the power of Jesus Christ, I can fulfill everything that God has called me to do. I'm sorry. I'm so excited. Well, I want to hear someone say amen then. All right. About 10 people walked out of the first service saying, man, I almost said amen out loud. I'm like, dude, how can you not say it? Stand up. Wave your hand around or something. You know what I mean? Let's pretend we're in an old Southern Baptist church a little bit. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> My favorite part is to say, dig deep into your pockets, brother, and give. <laughs> told you I was. Come on now. See, I, see, I told you I was hyper. I told you. Well, I, I, had, I, had a, I had to be looking at this all week long and not be able to preach it. You know how hard it is to, to own this and feel this and know this and not be able to preach it all week long? You have to live with me, I'll tell you what. Oh. All right. Oh. Peter, Peter says at the end of verse 9, he says, God called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. God has called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Listen, in the light. When you are called out of darkness into the light, in the light, you can see things you've never seen before. Okay, this whole section here, you can see things you've never seen before. You can do things in the light you've never done before. You can be things you've never even possibly dreamed of becoming. You can experience things that you never even thought possible because of who you are, walking out of darkness into the light. When you're in the light, you can be who you are. In the darkness, you're bouncing around, you're running into things, you're kind of walking in circles. You don't know which direction you're going, but when you get in the light and the Holy Spirit lives in your life and the Holy Spirit's guiding and directing you and you know you're all those things, you know who you are and now you're in the light. Holy mackerel, are you a danger? dangerous, dangerous human being. Who you are leads directly to the question, what are you here for? So, okay, what are we here for? What are we here for? I'm going to tell you the next few weeks, we're going to talk about it, but we need to understand who we are first. But what are we here for? Peter is more specific when he tells us the precise reason for our existence. He's very specific here. He says in verse 9 that we exist for this reason. 
that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, that you may declare the praises of him. What we see is that our destiny, again, is linked directly. Our our identity, again, is linked directly to our destiny. He links the two together. And and what is our full-time, what is the full-time destiny of a royal priest, of a royal priest? To make the praises of God known to everyone around us. That's our, that, that is it. To make the praises of God known to everyone around us. And I'm going to teach you for the next few weeks, six weeks or so, I'm going to teach you exactly how to do that. What is, what is it we're supposed to be doing? Bringing him, bringing God, bringing Christ into our sphere of influence. Into my, my sphere of influence, your sphere of influence. As a corporate body, we go out and bring Christ into our sphere of influence. We, we talk a lot in our culture about self-image. And, and, it's, and we talk about it, and it's important. It's really, it's really important to, to kind of to talk about that. How do we view ourselves? See, the Bible's response to this question is that a Christ, the Christian selfhood a Christian selfhood is not, is not determined in terms of who we are in and of ourselves. Okay? It's not, again, it's not that individualistic. It's not, ju- it's not just that. It, it, it's defined in terms of our relationship with God. Our purpose, God's purpose and plan for our lives. The biblical understanding of self-identity is radically and completely God-centered. You, you can't avoid having God wrapped up in your identity. Listen, my identity and your identity is to make God's identity known. My identity and your identity is to make God's identity known to all those around us. If we understand the language of this passage right here and how it speaks to our identity, we realize that God must be included. That's what Peter was saying. Your identity is wrapped up in God. It is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. It was his act of love that gave you your identity. It was God's act of mercy that gave you your identity. Our identity is not an end in itself. And I'm going to say that again. That is an American concept. That our identity is wrapped up in just, just us. It is not just wrapped up. It's, it's not an end in itself. It is connected to our priestly service, which Peter defines as declaring the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Okay, here, listen to this. This is, this is important. God made us who we are so that we might help others understand who he is. You know who you are. Why did he create you to do that? God made us who we are to show others, the people around us, who he is. That's why I know who I am. I know why I exist. Let me tell you something. We do that in our church services. We do that as we as we read the word of God, as we sing, as we pray, as I preach. We do that in our, in, our, in our life groups, as we fellowship and we encourage each other. Iron sharpens iron. We, we, but listen to this. We also do it in our places of work. We take, we take our identity, who we are, who am I. We take that to work. We show God's love. We experience that at work. We experience that in our, in, our, in our schools, elementary school, junior high, high school. We bring them into our schools. 
We experience that in our communities, in our clubs, on our teams, in our activities, in our hobbies, and in our homes. You know what's interesting? Read the story of Zacchaeus. The Bible says that, you know, he, you know Zacchaeus climbed a tree and all that kind of, he's a tax collector. And, uh, and, and, and the Bible says that Zacchaeus and his whole household was saved. You know why? Because Zacchaeus brought Christ into his sphere of influence. All, his, all the people who worked for him, his wife, his family, all of them came to know Christ because he brought Christ into his sphere of influence. Imagine how many people came to Christ because Zacchaeus took what he knew, took who he was, identified himself for who he was and, and why he existed. And he brought that into people's lives, paid back everyone he robbed. And imagine the lives that were transformed by this, by this tax collector. You know, we can do it in hundreds of different, hundreds of different ways. We can share his love in hundreds of different ways. Based upon, you know, fitting our circumstances and our, and our personalities, God will allow us. He'll show us. He will show us how we can use, how we can use our, our identity to share the love of Jesus Christ with others. And the best way, honestly, to do that in, in a simple way is to, is to bring the love of Jesus Christ, to share the love of Jesus Christ with everyone around you, that people would own that. When we live out the praises of God, when we live out the glory of God, when we live out the grace of God, people will hear and see him, people will hear and see him with greater openness. Because of how you live your life, they will be open. They will have a greater and more profound openness to receiving what you say because of how you live your life. Which is just another way of saying that God made us who we are. God made us who we are so we can show the world who he is. He made you. He made me. He made us who we are so that we can show the world who he is. Next week, we're going to continue this journey. If you ever want to invite someone to church because of the way the whole service is going to be laid out, next week is the one you want to invite them to. If you ever want to not miss a day at church, next week is the one you do not want to miss. Now, don't miss any, okay? Be here every, every Sunday. I'm just telling you. I want you to stand up with me, and I want you to kind of grasp the hand of the person next to you. If you have to cross aisles, whatever you need to do to connect with the people next to you. I want you to hear this one more time and I want you to leave here. And the reason you're holding hands and you're connecting with each other is because it's not just an individual identity. It is a corporate identity. You want to pray for the person to your right. You want to pray for the person to your left that God would use them in a powerful way because we know together there's nothing that we can't do. I'm going to tell you again. I'm going to pray this as I read it. I'm going to pray this over you so that you completely own it. First Peter two, nine and ten. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Bow your heads with me, if you will. Father, next week, as we come together, I pray through your Holy Spirit that you would allow me to, to teach this body in a way that would unleash them to be everything that they were created and chosen to be. 
Father, that you would help us throughout this week to study this passage, to memorize this passage, to know who we are and why we are here. And that God, throughout this series, we will be truly unleashed as a church to become everything that you've created us to be. Father, we love you. And God, as we hold hands here this morning, Father, we pray for the person on our right, that you would anoint them, that you would touch their lives, that you would strengthen them, help them become the person that you've created them to be. And the person on our left, Lord God, that you would anoint them, that you would touch them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them to become the person they were created to be, that they would know who they are. We were chosen to be his people, to share his message with a lost and hurting world. Go and do that in the name and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great day.